0: This is Anthony Pascal,
1: and this is Laurie Ulster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. We are back from Las Vegas. We are getting ready to review a Lower Decks episode two of season two called Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. But first, we're going to cover some of the news from Las Vegas, from the big convention, and just sort of an overall quick look at how everything went. So, Tony, how did everything go?
0: I mean, I had I personally had a lot of fun in Vegas. A lot of that was hanging out with you and with all of our other Star Trek friends and Trek movie friends. Um, the con was good. There, you know, so I had fun looking at it from a you know editor of a Star Trek website point of view. There were a number of guests I wish went and held panels. <laughs> um, yeah, because when you look at a lot of the cancellations. Some of which were last minute. A lot of them were leaned towards the um, bigger stars involved in new shows. You know, you, you know, Frakes, Delancey, Sonequa, you know, Jerry
1: uh, Ryan.
0: Yeah. And yeah. they would have said something, you know, and we would have written an article. about. It. now we we did get some news and we're about to get into that. So, you know, with a with news hat on, I think, you know, we didn't get as much news as we wanted to share with the fans. But we still got some regardless there was a lot of i ended up spending more time at some of the panels that i might not have gone to and enjoyed some of those even more and uh so no it was good and i think creation did a great job um they it looked great
1: and it felt safe that's a big part of it for me was that i wasn't feeling nervous or edgy everybody had masks everybody was sanitizing people weren't weren't pushed together breathing each other's air um particularly. I mean we're all in one room which is fine, but you were never like stuck in crowds and couldn't move and anything like that.
0: But anyway, we'll have more about the convention cuz Shuttlepod is going to be doing a full convention postmortem and um one or both of us will probably be on that pod. Uh so look for that from the Shuttlepod team within a week or so. But let's move on to talk about some of the pieces of news we picked up and have reported so far from the convention and let's do it you know like we usually do show by show right so what's the first show we should cover
1: well i think we got a tid not even a tidbit a possibility of something that might happen one day on strange new worlds (laughs) which was from um rain wilson who obviously people know he played harry mudd on discovery big fun thrill for me because i'm a huge office fan So it was really fun to see Dwight up there being a part of Star Trek and talking about how much he loved it since he was a kid. So that was kind of nice. And his news is that he has been trying to get Harry Mudd into Strange New Worlds and has even asked Akiva about it. And Akiva said he'd have to think about it. Um, And Rainn Wilson wants fans to request it. He wants a clamor.
0: I mean I, I'm not sure I'm clamoring for it. I'm very open to it. I don't I mean, I know that there's a canon issue with yeah. Spock, um, but uh as long as Spock and Mud are never in the same room together, um and ideally Mud doesn't see the USS Enterprise of a that's probably you can get away with. Um I like Rain Wilson. I think if if they do an interesting story, Alien Planet, and so we're still seeing a strange new worlds. But, you know, mud is there trying to scam the locals or something. Yeah, sure. Why not? But as long as we don't lose another Planet of the Week, Message of the Week, and have it be all about mud, then I'm totally fine with it, because I do like him. I thought he was good in Discovery. I, I actually preferred his second time, the one with the space whale.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes of the whole series so far.
0: It is interesting how active he's trying to get into it. I mean, he... I knew he liked Star Trek, but the way he talked about it, at the convention, it's it's serious. You yeah, know, it about, it's since
1: it's since he was a kid, and it's the whole philosophy of it. Like he really understands it and loves it, and it matters to him.
0: Now, something he mentioned early on is that he did. This isn't his first time. As soon as he read in the trades that CBS was doing this show, which would have been you know 2016 when it was first reported in 2015 he reached out and he had a meeting with Brian Fuller so um and it kind of you know they started getting down to brass tacks apparently because he was talking about well I don't know if I want to move to Toronto so you know the the, his guest star spot kind of resulted from that where you know where it started is he was considering at least being a series regular yeah um I don't know what role he could have played as a series regular you know, maybe they would. I mean, maybe my bet is if if that if they went there, there would have been a different role for, that was more suited for him.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he said he didn't want to have prosthetics. He didn't want to live in Toronto, so that ruled the whole thing out. Anyway, I think he's. You know, I mean, he pulled off mud, and that's a tough one to do because he's a character we know, and Rain Wilson is wildly recognizable. Um, but somehow he did it. So who knows but i love that that it's so important to him and that he wants to do it and i'm sure people have brought up lower decks as an option too cuz there's always a way I want to say one more thing about Strange New Worlds news, even though it's not about the show, because it's just super lovely, which is that Anson Mount announced on social media that he and his wife are going to have a baby, and they did the cutest video, like it's an Instagram reel and pictures, and you should go look, because it's just delightful.
0: So there was no Strange New Worlds panel or stars there, but we got a little Strange New Worlds news. The same thing is true of Prodigy. There was no Prodigy panel, no Prodigy people.
1: We got a, a strange bit of news from Robert Beltran on the Voyager panel because they were all asked what they've been up to. And he said, he's been working on this voiceover animation thing that Kate is doing.
0: (laughs) Like when he first said that, I'm like, he can't be talking about prodigy. And then he said, Star Trek prodigy. And I'm like, Oh my God. Uh, A, that's surprising. B, he shouldn't have said it because um, obviously that's probably something he should have kept secret. Yeah. But I, uh, but that's great. um
1: I saw a I mean, lot of people on social thinking that he just made it up and was messing with us, but I don't think so. I think he meant it.
0: I, you know, I was, you know, thirty feet from him, and it it seemed sincere to me. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> I I think he was excited because um, you know, he talked about for the most part that he's retired. He's you know lives with his kids, and I mean I know he did a short film last year, but. He was talking about being a dad, um, but he said, but I am doing this thing, you know, and it's a Star Trek thing. And so that's cool. You know, I, yeah. I, you know, that it brings up the question of, we assume it's Chakotay, because why bring him on if it's not Chicote, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but he didn't say. So, you know, in theory, he could be playing her cat. But I'm going to guess Chicote. And that brings up a whole bunch of questions about...
1: Is it a hologram Chicote? Is it a real Chicote? Are they in communication with the Alpha Quadrant? What's going on?
0: Right. Because uh, some people have suggested, and this is a possibility, that there may be a, the show may be set in the Delta Quadrant, but maybe they'll cut to the Alpha Quadrant and we're going to see some real Janeway every once in a while and some real Chicote and some real Paris and et cetera. Or we have the communication thing, which through the Pathfinder initiative, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or the third option is Hologram Janeway has her hologram friends. um, (laughs) And so she, for some reason, will bring up Chakotay uh, maybe to show something to the group.
1: He could teach something specific. Absolutely. I would personally love to have the holographic whole crew at my house to teach me everything. So I think that sounds pretty good.
0: If it is, like, where he's teaching them something, then, yeah, then, then it's just endless. Then you could, like, you bring in the doctor to teach them medicine, and you bring in everyone, you know, and it'll, it'll never end. Everyone's going to show up eventually.
1: Well, if they bring in the doctor, is it the doctor? Because he is a hologram.
0: There, there should be a doctor on board, a holographic doctor. Well, there should sort. be, but
1: that's really a whole other, because if there's a doctor, that's a character, a main character. So, and I feel like they don't want that. They want these kids to really, they have their holographic Janeway to teach them stuff, but they really want these kids to be kids.
0: And I suspect, you know, because it's a kid show that the kids aren't going to be getting seriously injured a lot. <laughs> it's not, right. people aren't going to be dying and they're not going to have to, you know, replace people's organs and stuff like that. Because exactly. that's a little, a little gruesome, but there, there's ample room, I guess, you know, Chicote opens up the door to all of them, essentially. Yes. Yeah. um and we do know legacy characters will be showing up mike McMahon, they've talked about it mike mcmahon has talked about how they have to make sure that they're not both there's that i think there's a character where they're both going to use them but in different ways so right. we'll be we'll be saying that there was a number of discovery people so discovery even though sonequa wasn't there and doug there was there were still four discovery panels at the event uh yeah. spread over the week yeah we did, on um, the last pod, we talked about one of these, because it was a Wednesday panel, um, and that was the one with Ken Mitchell talking about how he's coming back in season four. So, one bit of news actually didn't happen in a panel. Um, so, actress Tara Rosling who's one of my favorites because she's uh, Saru's new girlfriend and I'm, I'm I'm shipping them in a big way.
1: <laughs> and I um, think you're right all along, it turns out.
0: She was on a panel on Wednesday, but then she was supposed to be there all weekend. But then on Friday, she was gone. Um, and her booth had a little sign on it saying that she had to go back to Toronto to shoot more of Discovery. So it was unexpected. Um, and... So they're, they're still shooting.
1: Yeah, Michelle Paradise, the EP, has been posting pictures that don't reveal anything, but clearly indicating that they're still shooting. And there have been some rumors that it's going to go much longer, but we don't know. Nothing's been confirmed. So, But we know that they're definitely doing more than they even still expected to be doing at this point.
0: And they're doing location shooting. We know that because the pictures she sent have been outdoors. And in fact, yep. someone someone on... In Toronto, spotted one of their signs. They were at a a dog park, actually. (laughs) (laughs) A space dog park. Possibly standing in for Vulcan because it was the day she was needed back. So, you know, we've got a Vulcan dog park, basically, in season four. There's a spoiler for you.
1: I can't wait for the Vulcan dog park.
0: (laughs) So that's, you know, so we don't know when Discovery season four is going to end, except that we do know it's supposed to show up on Paramount Plus by the end of this year. So, there you go.
1: So, December 31st.
0: But we, we took a look at all of the panels. and We did an article, kind of everything people said about season four, basically, from all the various panels. And there was a lot of talk about how difficult things are with COVID and why that's caused all the delays. And, I mean, the thing that was kind of Oded really... You know, it got to me in the way he talked about it. Where, yeah, he said, it, it, you know, shooting on a you know TV show or movie is fun. You know, you get to. He says he doesn't like to hang out in his trailer. He likes to just go on the set and hang out and hang out at craft services. And some other actors have talked about this. About it's this isn't just Discovery, but shooting this year. You go on set. You're never allowed to be on set with multiple people unless they're shooting a scene, um, and. Then as soon as the scene's done, you leave, you go back to your trailer. And I mean, Blue was talking about how Blue and Mary was talking about how much fun it was when they all got together and they all wanted to talk. And Blue said that the, you know, they were told stop laughing and talking on set. Right. Which seems because you're, because you're not supposed to be, you're not masked on set and they, you know they said that this was causing problems, you know? And so it just sounds like it's been a rough year for them.
1: I mean, I gotta be honest. Like, I agree with you that I was definitely moved by that. And it was, you know, sad to hear them say that. But I gotta be honest, it sounds not as that necessary. Like, once you've decided it's okay to film stuff and be there, and they're all vaccinated and they're all getting tested, like, if you don't have it, you can't spread it. So I, to me, this feels like, sorry, home country Canada, But I think they've been overdoing it and they, you know, in certain areas. And look, far be it for me to say, don't protect yourself. But it does feel like it doesn't make sense. I've worked on productions during COVID and didn't have people didn't have to do that. People were allowed to talk to each other once we were in an area and unmasked and whatever. We were fine.
0: They've definitely been very effusive, all of them, about the crew and about feeling safe.
1: Yeah. And I want them to feel safe for sure. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's people's comfort level, which I try to always be respectful of in these situations. Um, And the other thing, Oded, just um, he plays Vance, by the way. I don't think we mentioned that for people. Um, But he said that he would very much like to be back in season five. Um, And we don't know for sure there is a season five, but he was speaking with great optimism about a season five
0: well the way he talked about it he just talked about it like next season as if there's right. it's a give, given that there is going to be another season we expect there's going to be another season
1: yeah we've seen michelle paradise even responding jokingly on twitter about like the writer's room and things like that the next season writer's room so it's everybody seems to be feeling very positive about next season
0: I mean most of the stuff we heard about next season um you know Odin said it's very emotional um and wonderful parent you know there's been talk about the AR wall and how it's kind of a game changing technology we've talked about that here before that's going to be really interesting to see how they utilize it
1: They also said it slowed down production a little bit that that's part of what's taking so long
0: and when we had um, Anthony Rapp do his interview with us, he talked to, about being excited to have the scene with David Ajala or do, working with him. It sounds like they, these are one-on-one scenes or as they're called in the business, two-handers, meaning just two-person scenes. Um, and they sound confrontational. I, I mean, I think these two are going to be
1: yeah, going at it. I think so, too.
0: For whatever reason, I mean, it seems like a really tiny thing. Uh, uh, but Juliana Grossman is the voice of the computer, right? And she revealed she's doing another character, as she described it, another computer this season. Let's say my supposition is correct—you know—that there is a another ship that requires a computer voice. Now it could be something minor. I, I mean, did we we heard a computer voice on Book's ship, so that it must be a different computer voice but
1: it wouldn't make sense for it to be the same one
0: you know is it possible my guess i don't know this is just speculation but i still think that the 32nd century federation are going to build more spore drive ships yeah because well, why not
1: cuz you would
0: yeah you know and maybe this is you know the issue with book as well cuz book is and his people are the only people who could fly them besides stamets um so we assume there's something going on there So, anyway, maybe there's a new ship that's part of the show, and that would be, you know, mixing things up, as it were.
1: It could be that, and it could be on any of the other shows, so we don't know.
0: Yeah, I did think about that, of, like, maybe, because she is 23rd century, maybe she's doing the, she could be talking about doing the voice for the USS Enterprise, because someone's got to do it, right? Yep. So that's another poss, definitely another possibility. Uh, anything else from that plant from that um, panel?
1: No, I think that's all the discovery stuff. I mean, obviously they're afraid to say a lot of things, so they didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, well, well, um, my friend uh, Tara Rossling did again imply. That, well, first, she she indicates that we're going to see a good amount of the president of Navarre this season but also she says um all kind of lovely things to play as a president and in other areas other areas so you know we know what those other areas are
1: tall kelpian areas exactly so (laughs) i know um and one of the other fun discovery highlights for me was that was jane brooke even though she's not in the show anymore because they foolishly and brutally killed off the admiral um it was great to see her on the panel she also did a science panel uh with dr Mohammed noor and they've both been on our podcast already and it was great to reconnect with her that was one of the highlights of the whole con for me for sure
0: now patrick quark chun was asked about representation and being asian american on the show and does he advocate for more representation and he indicated that You know, he never he's he hasn't had to do that because that's kind of a natural thing that the producers have done on the show. And he started to say something about how, you know, we see this with LGBTQ and and he kind of was saying starting to say something about his own character and then he just stopped. So maybe we're going to get a little Reese backstory, you know, find out where he's from. And
1: Uh, yeah, he was really dynamic and great in the panels also. Like I really enjoyed seeing him and he's so enthusiastic and told good stories and was a good guy and talked about how, um, how Garrett Wong was a big deal for him. That was like a big influence for him.
0: Let's move on to Picard. Uh, There was a Picard panel as well. Not a lot of season two stuff for Picard. Um, We did get uh, actually a little bit of an update from Jerry Ryan who wasn't there but during the Voyager panel, she beamed in using a recorded message from—I I, guess—from the set. It kind of looked like she was in her trailer, or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: And saying, you know, she was sorry she couldn't be there, but that she wasn't allowed to go because of the, you know, because every every um, production has a COVID manager who um, is kind of like, you know, can override other people, you know, override the captain of the ship and. She wasn't allowed to go because of COVID restrictions, and um, she was but sorry she said about they're that. they're
1: very much still in production, is what she said. Although, Issa Briones and Evan Evagora were there in person, and Michelle Hurd was not there in person, but uh, Zoomed in, so she was at least right. available to talk.
0: Probably the most significant thing, talking about the next season out of that panel, was discussing the relationship between seven and
1: raffi which which what you know what we saw at the end of season one was obviously the very beginning of something they have this little moment and there's a hand touch and it's i don't think the point was to say they've been together i think the point was to say these two are starting to connect in a romantic way
0: yeah well there was a a a weird thing at the end of the season where there's uh, seemed to be a little bit of a time jump between Picard's resurrection and that final scene. we kind yes. of don't know how much time took place in between those two moments. So it could have been like a month or so.
1: Sure. Um, but they gave a little history of how that relationship came about, which I thought was kind of fun. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Delarco was on the Picard panel also. And he said that, they, that that relationship started because of a picture he took of Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd that just was super hot. And he thought they had great chemistry. And so he showed it to the producers. And Michelle Hurd totally backed up the story and said, yes, they showed the photo to producers and said, what, we should do something like this. And producers agreed. And then they shot it and they just did this subtle thing. But I like it. I, you know, obviously they have good chemistry and Michelle Hurd was like, who wouldn't, you know, she was saying, who wouldn't want to be with seven of nine was her main point.
0: Be in love with seven of nine. I mean, it sounds like this is a serious relationship being explored in season two. She said, I'm not going to say any more, but they, you know, they're definitely picking up on the story is, is, you know, it wasn't just a little weird thing at the end of the finale. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. for this season um and that's great
1: yeah rafi needs something nice in her life as does seven
0: it sounds like rafi's life is just totally turning around if you think about it because season one she was a mess she was on drugs and she had family issues and she was you know living at vasquez rocks for some reason um looking for the
1: corn all day
0: yeah and she was a crazy conspiracy theorist from starfleet's point of view um and so another thing that came up in the panel is because she was proven right you know her crazy conspiracy theories were actually true right they weren't crazy conspiracy
1: theories at all
0: yeah exactly and so she said that rafi has more confidence this season she feels vindicated and so it sounds like she's kind of a new you know she still feels haunted by the all the people who died uh, the mars attack and stuff like that but that she has more confidence. I think we've seen this in the trailer, if going back to my theory of the trailer that there is a moment in the trailer that isn't an alternate cue weirdness, it's just a simple moment showing Picard and Rafi back in Starfleet, which I think is how the season's going to start. Um Where she, you know, she's back, and she's no longer on the outs, and um, you know, I'm sure she's still got stuff to deal with, but you know, she's no longer on the outside looking in.
1: Yeah. That's the impression I got as well.
0: And, and we're going to learn more about that in that book. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago, about there's a book coming out right as the season starts and it's going to be all about Rafi and that's going to take place in between seasons one and two. So we'll kind of find out about this whole period with her cool. um, and maybe more seven stuff in that book too. That comes out next April. Okay uh last thing just stupid thing but um someone asked isa brionis who is an accomplished broadway musical actress and in fact she was in hamilton right before she started on picard um you know does she think that there could be a star trek musical i don't know why this has become a thing in the last year where i was talking about star trek musicals well, um, because they
1: have a lot of actors who are great singers
0: fair enough um and she's, but she said, you know, we've talked about it. I don't know who the we is because it's not Patrick Stewart. I mean, he, he's not. <laughs> he's not asking for the
1: musical. <laughs>
0: no. Um, but maybe, you know, some of the producers and some of the other actors. I don't know who el- who else on that cast sings and dances. I mean, Brent Spiner. She, maybe she's talked to him about it. Frakes, you know, he's he likes to sing on he set.
1: to sing. Yeah. They're a lo- and you never know. People have talents jerry ryan can sing maybe no she um, can she sang on voyager she has a beautiful voice no no yeah
0: you're right you're right Okay, um, you're so like, she maybe
1: did. she can sing and i'm like no, she no i was I'm,
0: I'm trying to think of who's got broadway experience like she does and like brent does like, um but like
1: anthony rap level
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so there's you know can, there's can sing in the shower talent and then she is an accomplished singer you know they they did release that track of her singing um
1: blue skies
0: Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. So she revealed something, which is that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, her former boss, um, is a Star Trek fan. She's like, let's make this happen, the Star Trek the musical. So That uh,
1: thrilled me to pieces, I have to tell you, because I love him. And I just think, oh, imagine if he did some kind of fun Star Trek musical. Be still my beating heart. That would be just amazing.
0: I'm not sure he could fit into Picard. But wouldn't it be great if, if Strange Duels, they show up on some planet and he's like, you know, some kind of musical guy on that planet performing something. That'd be great.
1: Yes, it would.
0: Strange in the Worlds, it's just has so many op you know, because it's like when we get back to the weekly thing, it's such a great opportunity for great guest stars.
1: Yes, and um, for and for some playfulness and fun.
0: Um, I'm not sure that would work out Picard though. <laughs> Star Trek Picard, the musical. So uh there is a A little bit of other Picard news that wasn't from the panel. It's from our old friend, John DeLancey on Cameo. As of Tuesday of this week, we're recording on Wednesday. He's done on Star Trek Picard season two, Um, which may mean season two is done because or at least they're finishing up very soon because he's going to be in the finale. Right. If we don't know how if they're shooting out of order or anything like that. Uh, although they may be transitioning straight into season three, we're not sure about that. And I mean, again, he's constantly talking about how Picard is different. I mean, how Q is different. Um, I, you know, I've been tracking his little videos all year long and, he he started talking off about how he's kind of somewhat different in his latest videos. He's talking about how Q is very different. So it just, it just seems like a, a level of emphasis. I feel like as he's been shooting season two, he's talking about how the writers are different. The Q is different that I think he he's realizing just how different it is that it wasn't as different way back at the beginning where he's joking about, Oh, I'm annoying Picard just like the good old days. And now he talks about like, you know this is different so well,
1: i think he's been saying it's different for quite some time and i think that when you're recording 8 million cameos you find different ways of saying it's very different so i'm not okay. sure it's to me i'm like yeah we already know that that's more the same and he's just looking for new adjectives
0: oh there was another panel that we didn't mention the voyager documentary panel
1: that was a great one um jerry taylor who we, who was co-creator of Voyager we knew was going to be doing her own panel on the main stage, but she was a surprise guest at the Voyager documentary panel and a thrilling one for me, I have to say
0: um did they, was there any news at that panel about the documentary
1: um they talked. They talked, to, they showed like a little clip from it, which was um, just a lot of the people that they're going to be talking to. We saw sitting down for their interviews. They said that uh, it will include uh, Garrett Wong giving a tour of the Paramount lot. They're going to put Garrett through astronaut training as part of it. And David Zabone said he'll do it too, which sounds fun. Okay,
0: I, I want to I stop you right there. I mean, it's not you, but it's like I want to stop them. You got your million dollars. Don't go crazy. We don't need I don't want to watch Garrett Wong go through astronaut training. I'm sorry. I don't. I have no interest in that. I don't know who does. Um I want, I to, want, watch a Voyager. I want I to watch Void I want to watch Void Voyager. Know about Voyager.
1: Yeah. yeah. I I mean, I have to say like the clip I wish what I would have loved was like here's a snippet of Rick Berman saying something really cool. That's what I was sort of hoping for from the clips. Yeah. So the the indication I got is that they still have a lot left to film.
0: But don't waste time. I mean, this is the bloat that the DS9 doc was great, but it was like a lot of great little pieces, but not a great cohesive story. So, you know, try to get this thing out to 90 minutes. Try to try to tell a story and um, try to focus on Voyager.
1: Yeah. And I (laughs) saw honestly like among the people that were being interviewed that you saw clips of arriving were people like who I love, but Mary Chifo. And I think, well, I love Mary Chifo. She's great. But she didn't work on Voyager. And so she can say about Voyager. What I can say about Voyager is someone who's watched it a lot. And I'm sort of more interested in information from the people who worked on it. If it's a documentary about Voyager, I'm less interested in how it affected fans and more interested in the people who made the show.
0: I agree with that. Um, the, there was a couple people in the DS9 doc I wanted to hear more from that they and they should do this kind of thing, which is you talk to media experts, industry experts, college professors who study the business and how Voyager affected media um, and changed the landscape. And you know, because th- there wasn't enough of that in the DS9 doc, it was a little too insular. You know what I mean? So I am, you know, fine bringing outside people, but not super fans necessarily, no, but ex-
1: experts who can provide some context because there is a whole business part of that. I mean, it launched paramount network. It was a big deal. And there's a lot to talk about in that context that does teach you more. You know, you'll learn more about the show and its place in history, which is more interesting to me than people like me who love it and just want to talk about how much we love it.
0: Okay. We're going to do some rapid fire stuff. So, cause we want to get to the lower decks review. Um, go to the website. Uh, we've, we've got a whole article about this new release of a remastered, extended Star Trek, the Wrath of Khan, James Horner soundtrack. Um, and, uh, Neil Shirley, who's a great writer. I'm not just saying that because he writes for us. I mean, he also, he's a, you know, professional.
1: He reviews things professionally. He's, he's a theater guy. He's an excellent writer and he's a Star Trek scholar.
0: Yes, and has a great newsletter, and he contributes to our site. He did a great uh, profile piece on the people who have put this thing together, a lot of detail. We've got an exclusive sample. Uh, There's a little bit of Orville news, which we skipped last week, which is they've wrapped up their third season, and uh, it's going to be shorter than expected. It was going to be 11 episodes. Now it's going to be 10 episodes. Again, that's because of covid
1: yeah, it's taken them like two years to shoot it.
0: Well, not exactly two years, but yeah, I mean, it's not, taken not them a consistently,
1: long time. Not no, it is she said Penny Johnson Gerald said that. And it's it's not that they've been consistently shooting for two years, obviously, but that you know, that I was on set seeing the new sets in November of twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah, yeah. They did start it yeah, that's true. They did start in late twenty nineteen, they stopped in March, they started again in December. 2020 um i think they had some hiatuses and they finally wrapped yeah a couple seth mcfarlane i've been suspecting that he's kind of you know may not be moving forward with this project because he's signed a big new deal um with nbc universal he's doing all these different projects with them um but he's indicated that he'd like to, to do more uh, an executive from Hulu did a couple of interviews with the trades and it has hinted that they're open to doing more it's nothing definitive but i kind of figured it was three and they're done so but i i assume it'll depend on how well it goes for hulu yeah we don't have a release date either so
1: no it's been a long time it's tough it's tough to have such a long break between seasons
0: the only thing penny said in the panel about the show besides you know how great it was for people to be safe on set but she did say that they were going to be exploring the isaac relationship with her in in the new season which i think will be really interesting
1: yeah i didn't love that part of it but i love her so i will remain (laughs) open-minded
0: yeah I, i mean to be honest It's been a long time for the show. I'm going to have to do some rewatching. I think we all will. Hopefully Hulu will put up like a good video to say, you know, in case you forgot what happened in the last two seasons, because it's going to by the time this thing comes out, it's going to be two and a half, three years, something like that.
1: Yeah, hopefully they'll do a big campaign to get people binging the previous seasons before and they'll put together some fun clips and summaries. I feel like it's a great opportunity to make some fun catch up videos.
0: I suspect they're going to start a campaign around New York Comic-Con, which is in October, um, and you'll probably be there, right? I hope so. So let's move on to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks.
1: Episode 202, Kayshawn, His Eyes Open.
0: They didn't even bother trying to hide it with this one. like no. you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we knew that uh, some there was going to be a new character introduced this season. Um, And this is the episode where they did it. I'm glad they didn't try to cram this into episode one, which had enough stuff going on to begin with. But this is our first episode with K-Shot, Carl Tart.
1: Yes. And his metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Although I like, I think it's funny that the Universal Translator now can handle that and tries to, you know, translate most of what he's saying.
0: Well, they've had a team of Starfleet linguists on the planet for three or four years at this point. (laughs) Um, So they've got that all worked out. Um, Although not entirely, right? Yeah. Because there's little hiccups now and then. And he did say
1: something about his Federation standard being a little rusty or something
0: like that. Which must be really hard for him. To learn, you know, a completely different style of language. Um,
1: (laughs) To learn to speak in a straightforward manner.
0: We've jumped forward into this character, but before we get into it, I'm just going to say I like this episode more than I liked the first episode, which I did like. I think last week I said it was good, not great. I think this episode was great. Um, in, in, In an interesting way, it's the same as season one. I liked season one opener, but I thought the second episode was better it's actually written by the same guy Chris Kula uh, who wrote episode two season one he wrote this episode I think Mike just got a lot of business done in the first episode he was kind of dealing with all the season one fallout stuff and uh, he left Chris Kula more uh, you know more of a blank sheet to have some fun and more jokes so I thought it was funnier. And in a way, richer in some way. I thought it had some interesting themes about her- heroism. So I-, I loved it.
1: So I disagree about episode one being not great. I did think it was great. And I also think uh, what you call business, I call um, development. And I would have been unhappy if they'd not done those things. But that said, I also really enjoyed episode two. I thought it was really strong and had fun adventures and excitement that we hadn't seen. And also what I really liked about it is that it showed that our characters are able to grow, but still remain very, very true to themselves.
0: Absolutely. And, and... Lots,
1: lots of great jokes along the way, references the way that I like them and a fun, a fun storyline and a fun way to get Boimler back onto the cerritos I particularly enjoyed a lot of the Boimler stuff
0: right this episode unlike the first episode was kind of 5050 I don't think I haven't done a
1: yeah I'm gonna you know, guess 60 six, yeah.
0: 40 yeah, but there was a strong Boimler Titan story and a uh, to as which was essentially the B story I guess to the a story which was the kind of Mariner Rutherford Tendy jet story
1: Right. Well, the collector um, story.
0: <laughs> yes. Right. There was also kind of a weird sea story, which was the captain dealing with her um, micromanagement story, I which
1: guess. Which I think was basically just a mechanism to explain why she wasn't checking in with the with the lower deckers.
0: Well, th- that's true. Um, it was, a, you know, one of those conveniences, hand waves. But in a way, it also was true to her. And if you guys all remember last year, there was an episode where I was very unhappy um about how the captain was acting crazy. Remember when she was super micromanaging and she put everyone on those little timers
1: yeah yeah and yeah. and
0: she basically went insane for an episode, like you know she would have been kicked out of Starfleet for how nut for what she was doing. It was so insane, yeah so um. I suspect this is, in a way, I hope this was their way of saying, yeah, we know, Starfleet knows that was a bit much, Um, and she's been kind of tagged for it.
1: Yeah, they're keeping an eye on her.
0: Yeah, Um, although she said she's now done with not not micromanaging, so she's going to go right back into it.
1: Well, you know, she went from micromanaging to not checking in at all. So there is some middle ground that she doesn't seem capable of, but (laughs) the goal would be to check in so that she knows when her security officer has been turned into a puppet.
0: Right. What this episode revealed a lot about, it was trying to shine a light on Mariner a lot and exposing, you know, kind of like episode one was doing exposing things about her. Two things. One is her, her, how much she misses Boimler, I think, um, and kind of feels this emptiness, you know, and that all came through because of Jet, right? Because Jet was kind of, you know, she was kind of rejecting Jet because her natural state was Boimler, right? And there was Jet kind of standing where Boimler should be, and she couldn't stand that. It was driving her crazy. And, uh, you know, I I really, she, she... at the end showed how much she missed him, but then is still angry at him. But I think now she's more able to be honest about her feelings.
1: Yes, I would agree. And the thing with jet was funny because they, they got competitive right away. Cause he's not like Boimler at all. and So <laughs> they immediately, they started that whole Sonic shower scene, which was hilarious. Um, which she said that Boimler usually leaves the stall next to her open because he has issues with communal nudity. And I would find it hard to believe that Starfleet would make, it's not like a college dorm. I mean, they made all these people go and shower together, which I would think, no, Starfleet wouldn't really do that. But it was such a funny scene. And well, I'm so I mean so They, in they, love. S-
0: they um, sleep in a hallway together. They've I know, I know. Coming but- out of the showers together. I kind of always assumed it was it was basically like a, college dorm that way and, and and in a way they're more you know they're more enlightened and uh they're not they don't have you know boimler's kind of the one who's got these uh, got issues with it but everyone else is like a body's a body big deal
1: yeah i mean that was funny i loved the tiny shampoos with the little deltas on them <laughs> and their towels had little deltas on them. but the sham i'm like i want they that's a product tie-in if i've ever seen one
0: there was a few product tie-ins in this episode because we got you know, we know we're know we getting plates later. And as I was watching this, I was thinking, okay, you could do those. You could do the little puppet um, version of k Oh, Kayshon. for sure
1: they're doing the puppet.
0: They're yeah, happy. how could they not? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm keeping an eye on things that they could turn into products. The- Although I don't think they do that on purpose, but I think after they do the episodes, maybe they'll look back and say, oh, yeah, let's do the puppet.
1: Like Kalis's fornication helmet.
0: <laughs> I don't know. That'll be a big seller, or sex, <laughs> s- sex helmet as yes. Teddy later calls it. Um, <laughs> so they go on to this the collector's ship, which again is this gets back to last episode. I felt like they dialed back the um, all the, the referencing, you know, the overly reliance to references and Easter eggs, and sure that. Everything about the collector ship was a giant. I mean, the ship itself was a reference. The Collectors were referenced before they even went over. Yeah, they, you know, they were talking about data and Doctor Miglamo was like, "Oh, what did? What was his line? He said,
1: Why couldn't they leave data alone? He just wanted to feel. <laughs> I wish I could say it like Paul F. Tompkins because it was yeah. such a beautiful delivery.
0: <laughs> yes, all of that was kind of in your face, but I thought, you know, really, a lot of the references in this episode were. At a higher level than last week, and but yet more subtle and not just saying things to say things and to be references. They were organic. And a lot of this stuff, people won't even notice until they start freeze-framing and they'll notice this painting or they'll notice Khan's necklace and, you know, all, all the stuff, you know, the, the giant Spock, the Spock skeleton, which was <laughs> the, you know, giant Spock from the, the Inf- animated series.
1: The Infinite
0: Vulcan. Yeah. And you don't need... What, it, what this stuff is is it's delightful for Star Trek fans but still can be fun to people who are you know you know casual fans and aren't necessarily getting all of those references um, because there's nothing worse than a reference that's supposed to be a joke and it it only lands if you know the infinite Vulcan right right um, whereas this it's it's something in the background where it's 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 delightful but you don't need you know the the rest of the people watching the episode aren't missing out on anything which right. i think is i think is a good move forward for the show and i think it's consistent with episode 1 i think that's kind of where things are going with the show and i'm i'm glad to see it you know there's you know little little things like you know at the end when riker says nightbird you know i
1: know is- <laughs> <laughs> oh, i wrote that as a trivia question once and i don't know that
0: people got it Right. That's That's kind of like the Gary Mitchell joke from last week of the book of poetry. You know, again, it's funny, but it's funnier if you know that it was that Riker all, you know, for years has been trying to get Nightbird down with right. his trombone.
1: And it's still funny, even if you don't, but not as funny.
0: And we see his trombone, or a trombone, in the in the museum, yeah. in the collector ship. So it, we only assume it's one of his trombones, right? How the collector got it. Who knows?
1: Who knows?
0: By the way, just on a side note on the whole collector storyline, I liked the character of Chairman Siggy, who was voiced by Eugene Cordero. So,
1: Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that was him. That's great.
0: I mean, yeah, he's obviously very talented. I think he, we've seen a little bit of this before. I mean... You know, obviously in the animated series, uh, James Doohan voiced like half the characters because yep. to save and Maisel did money. the other half, right? But I think I think it's cool. You've got him there. You might as well use him. And um, it was definitely a different character. I was trying to. He's basically playing like a South Philly space guy. You know, he's the way he talks, like white. I don't know what it's a new alien, right? Yeah, I didn't. Rec- yeah, but for some reason he's like, hey, use you know, like, use <laughs> where guys. is this? Boy- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know where he collected an accent obviously. He went to Earth and collected an accent. <laughs> but I thought that was a, a fun character for sure. Um and very different obviously uh than the you know Fajo from the Most Toys. Right. So. <laughs> but now 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 that we're talking about this storyline, we can talk a little bit of, a bit more about KeSean and Carl Tart. I think he did a really good job. Yep. Of being believable as a Temerian and yet finding the humor. I think it's working. And, you know, we're a little concerned about that, you know, because this is the first time. So it's a lot like Data and how many times Data doesn't get a joke. And I think they can get the the balance right where you could just do a little, you know, Temerian fish out of water, not understanding something. And I think it could work.
1: And also, he was a good security officer because he he saved Tendy. The beam that hit him was was going for Tendy.
0: Very brave he was. Very brave he was. Although he he doesn't have very good game. His, <laughs> the, 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 that that pickup line at the end of the episode, he seemed cool with it though. He wasn't very dejected, but he's he's he's. I'm wondering if this is going to be a thing for him of trying to pick up women at the bar unsuccessfully. Um, no, he he's a good security officer, um, although he did spend most of the episode as a puppet.
1: Yes, he did. Being snuggled by somebody.
0: Right. I was worried they were going to rip him in half, actually, at one yeah, point.
1: there was a moment. <laughs> and I was like, is that it? Is he only in one episode? Um, but no, he finally made his way back to human, or whatever, to Marion. <laughs>
0: Well, did we see him
1: at the end? We We did. You you just described the scene that he was in. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That scene was after the.
1: She says he'll be fine. He's in sick bay, and she says he'll be fine in an hour, and put a little like post it on him, basically saying like, "Don't play with the puppet."
0: (laughs) What I I I like how I mean we're not getting a lot of Doctor Tana, and I wish we got more. But the thing they're doing this season, which I like, is. I think we got a little bit of this lesson, but she's seen everything. She, she's jaded for a reason. <laughs> yes, that nothing can face her. She's like strange energy, godlike creature. Yeah, yeah, done that.
1: Get a puppet,
0: puppet, done that. You know. Yeah, so, she says
1: something about that too. Ah, I'll be fine in an hour. She's very dismissive of the concern.
0: No, she says this is not my first. Person transformed into a puppet. Yeah. So, um, I, I, it'll be curious. I, it'll, because of course, in Star Trek, it's always the mysterious illness that the doctor has to solve. So, um, it'll be fun to find something that, you know, freaks her out, I guess, <laughs> breaks, breaks through that jaded exterior. So, the great thing about Jet in this is that Jet was able to burst Mariner's bubble. You know, she's her speechifying her badass plan, but it also revealed a little bit something about Tendi and Rutherford in a way where they've just been accepting Mariner as the leader, even though, you know, they're all ensigns, right? I mean she's been a lieutenant three or four times probably at this point, but you know, I loved how the moment where it was revealed that no one even bothered to ask them you know, whether right. they had a good idea.
1: And it's also as Jet and Mariner are both realizing that they're both being jerks and they are being, they're in conflict until they unite in their mockery of ransom.
0: Right. <laughs> well, and he does a great ransom doing a great Riker. So yes. it's almost like a triple threat there, but they, it revealed that both of them were posturing. Yes. Whereas Tendy and Rutherford were star fleeting.
1: Yes, right? Exactly. Which also was happening with Boimler and his pals from the Titan, because exactly. they were all that- fostering, and he was star fleeting.
0: Exactly. So there was a, a kind of a, a through line. That's what I was talking about. I like the theme of this episode. It was a lot about what is a hero, right? And Mariner and Jet were trying to be heroes. The crew of the Titan were trying to be heroes, but the real heroes were.
1: The ones Baltimore. using their brains and coming up yeah. with with using their knowledge to come up with smart solutions.
0: Yeah, not that Riker's not a hero, of course he is because he's Riker, but uh, yeah, they were definitely Starfleeting, and so you felt very Star Trek in this episode. And they, they, I mean, they might have pushed a little too hard because they were using phrases like "to boldly go," so they were that was a little, you know, a little too on the nose, I think. I feel like they've
1: said that on Discovery, too. Yeah, they didn't need it. But there was a lot of great sort of thematic stuff about what Star Trek is, you know, like saying, you know, that like Boimler saying, like, I signed up to explore and to be making discoveries and finding peaceful diplomatic solutions, not to be firing a phaser. And when his crew members are, you know, his colleagues are sort of making fun, like, oh, it must have been so boring on the Enterprise, you know, being in plays and playing the trombone, and all that stuff. <laughs> um, he points like he's he's saying, no, that's actually great stuff, not bad.
0: Yeah, and and they are because it is always a little weird that the USS Enterprise, which went up against the board, does have three daycare centers on board. And you kind of wonder, was that really the smartest move for Starfleet to have a starship out on the frontier with all those kids on board? And that's an endless debate. Um yes. obviously there's not kids on board the Titan. Which brings up kind of a weird thing about the Titan, which is, yeah, and certainly if you're a book person, this may rub you a, long, a wrong way because the Titan was a ship of exploration. The way they've positioned the Titan in this episode was interesting in that the people on board are kind of, they're, you know, chest bumping and they're in fights and they're they've kind of forgotten what it is to be in Starfleet in a way because the ship is constantly doing weird stuff and and in action and it's not exploring it's it's in a way it kind of reminded me of the valiant in ds9 you know these people will just kind of get a little too obsessed with war and with fighting and with heroism
1: right these guys were ready to just die they were like okay we're gonna die Boimler's like I don't think we have
0: to, <laughs> right? Put your mind to it. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah. He basically he scienced himself out of the situation, which is what a good Starfleet person would should do. Um, which is just what Tandy and Rutherford did. Um, I would like one of the two to have used because Starfleet. On one hand, you science yourself out. The other way is you talk yourself out. So, but the they had to have Boimler science himself out because they wanted to create the you know duplicate clones so you yeah. needed to do that so maybe it might have been interesting if tendy and rutherford figured out a, a diplomacy situation you know but uh, we could leave that for another day i guess
1: yeah i mean there wasn't really anyone for them to be su- super
0: diplomatic with at that well there point. was the painting maybe they could talk to the painting <laughs>
1: they could have talked to the painting
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i wanted to learn more about this guy but yeah uh... You know, what, what What was his deal? Um, yeah, but, Teddy you
1: know, was speculating about him at the very beginning. And I was kind of yeah. interested in that, too.
0: There's only so much you could do, right?
1: <laughs> well, I think we could talk about some of our favorite, a few favorite moments.
0: My favorite moment was definitely the introduction of the new security officer. And uh, he was great. Uh, but also, we now got the beginnings of, or not the beginnings of, we got more of the Mariner jet situation. And when she said, you know, more like suck up at Tanager. I loved that.
1: (laughs) That was a really good line. I loved, I loved Boimler convincing his crewmates that his way was better. And then as they're changing their minds, one of them says, I joined up because I love beaming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the, there was. I liked when the two clones met each other, and one of them says, "Oh man, a copy B got transported." It was just so they said, "Boo!" Was, they both said, "Boo!" <laughs> it was, but there, there was no like, "Oh my god!" It was just like, "Oh god, a clone, not this!" Like, right. and it was like, it,
1: "I'm the transporter clone,
0: boo!" <laughs> so the question is, which one of them is the one on Cerritos?
1: I gotta say, original went back to Cerritos.
0: Rutherford saw it coming.
1: Yeah, I love that Rutherford had a bat with Tendy. I thought that was really great. The Rutherford one. And the other thing in that scene that I loved was when they're like, oh my god, Tech, congratulations, you got a new pip. And he's like, no, it's just a piece of corn. That's always happening.
0: (laughs) The, um, I did feel bad for Jet because Jet was kind of a foil to Mariner, but in the end, they bonded. And, I mean, Jet is a good officer. He was honest with himself. And, I mean, last season, wasn't he presented as the coolest guy in the ship? Yeah, right?
1: that's why. And because I was like, he's going to be fine wherever he goes. He's going to be the coolest guy. So I'm not worried about him. Like, he was trying to get in with the underdogs, and the truth is, he's not one.
0: Yeah, he's an alpha dog. Yeah. That's true. So
1: he'll be fine. Um, he knew. He was like, oh, all right. you know, he wanted to have that moment of wanting to belong, but then it was over.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I did like the uh, the collector guy, Alien, when they came back on board and he goes, uh, what'd you guys do, stop and debate the human rights of a robot? <laughs> of course, he, of course be- being a collector, he at some point did try to collect data, so... Clearly, he falls on one side of that debate himself.
1: He he had his eye on uh, Rutherford.
0: I mean, it's a convenience for the show, but we've talked about this before. So when Riker's like, well, one of these got to go because Starfleet won't let me have two Boimlers. Although he was initially cool about it, right? He goes, hey, you know, let's have it for the Boimler." So Riker was cool through the whole episode, kind of pass it off to Starfleet of why he had to kick one of them off the ship. But he's like, oh, and of course, you'll have to become an ensign again. And I'm like, why?
1: for the story for the show that was why
0: for, yeah but but why <laughs> I mean, cuz it, it's so it's like he just did this heroic thing he saved the crew and from his perspective from his linear timeline he's the one who did that as much as the other one did and he gets and his reward demotion
1: yeah i feel like that's just like boimler's luck <laughs> That things happen to him. He's the guy who gets, you know, stuff spilled on him and splashed on him. And he's the one who gets terrible things that happen to him. So it would make sense that that would happen.
0: Sure. But as John was pointing out last week, Baumler's grown. And yeah, at the beginning of this episode, he was screaming while everyone else was chest bumping. But he did maneuver the ship right into the aft of the pack Right in the Yeah. So he's good. Even on the, you know, he's learned. He has grown. He He does not deserve demotion.
1: He changed them and got them to think in a better way. And he solved the problem. Twice, in fact, because first he, he, you know, fixed the distortion field. I think that's what it was. So that they could beam out. And then he, you know, both was rescued. But also he got a shuttle. Other Boimler. Second Boimler. So resourceful guy. No, I don't think that he deserved to be demoted. But I think that it. Make sense in terms of the kinds of things that happen to him.
0: Right. But this gets to the, how long can you keep these people ensigns? And in my interview with Mike, I think he kind of indicated that season three and four is when they're going to really run into this wall and they are going to start promoting them.
1: I mean, do I have to bring up Harry Kim who remained an ensign for seven seasons?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not going to do that here. I think, right. I think they are going to get promotions, but um not yet, I guess.
1: Right. I so. just don't feel like, like, I also think you have a certain freedom because it's, it's a cartoon. So like the Simpsons, Bart doesn't age. They're just things that, you know, the Simpsons are all the same age always. So I don't need that, but I'm sure it will be done in a fun way and I don't object to it. I'm very wishy-washy today. I'm riding both sides of everything. Is there anything else for the episode or have we kind of covered it all? Mm-hmm.
0: No, I I do want to read Stephen's log about his mustache, but no, I think we're done.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it's filled with details.
0: Well, there was a, I don't know, it was, a, it was a throwaway line, but I'm wondering whether we're going to pick up on this later. There was a mention of terrorists who blew up or tried to blow up Starbase 58. Um, and... uh you know, we've joked about how the pack leads are stupid, and this episode made it very clear they're stupid because you know they were using a saw as a hammer, and right. you know the, so- somehow they're managing to do these things. But it turns out that there's someone behind the pack leads helping them.
1: Right, right. Um, That's what they were trying to figure out. That was their mission: was to try and find out who it was.
0: Right, and and so I'm thinking, you know, and this is probably a Titan thing. But maybe the Cerritos as well. That there is a kind of big arc here, and we're going to meet the puppet masters. I think, as Breker was calling them, um, and behind the, the pack strings.
1: Guns. Yeah,
0: yeah. So there's some there's something coming, and this is our first taste of what it is. But you know, do you do you have a get? I mean, do you think the puppet masters are another known entity? Yes. It's got to be the the Romulans, right? Because it's always the Romulans.
1: Oh, I don't think that it necessarily has to be the Romulans.
0: I don't know. They just seem so. I mean, it's it's right up the alley, right? Manipulating someone to do something, and you know, acting covertly. What do you What are you thinking?
1: I had not started thinking about who that was yet. Okay, it's still a wide open field to me.
0: Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not. They're just my leading contender, but it uh, could be. It could be anyone.
1: I'll think about that. No, it could be anybody and I'm I think it'll be fun whoever it is.
0: All right. I think so I thought it was funny, great character development, nice themes, very Star Trek, loved it.
1: Yep, and I I agree. I loved it. The more I watched it, the more amused I was. And the more, I, the lovely thing about this show is that the more you watch it, the more you pick up on it. And I don't just mean the Star Trek references, which are fun, but also just just the little moments. And whether they're funny or not, um, they just somehow works better with repeat viewings, which is nice.
0: For sure. I think one, the second or third time I watched it, I watched it together with you in Las Vegas. And, yeah. uh And a couple other people. So that was fun.
1: Yeah, again, as I've said before, watch it in a group. So fun.
0: So let's move on to our bits of the week.
1: What you got?
0: Mine comes from the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain has been releasing (laughs) um, recordings of the orchestra covering different tunes, one of which they did in July. And it was the theme from Star Trek on ukulele. And, but they did it with lyrics, so let's play a little clip. Beyond the rim of the starlight My love is wandering in starlight I know he'll find it star clustered reach. Of a star woman teachers I know his journey and s never his God will go on forever.
1: The lyrics are killing me because I've read those lyrics, but I don't think I've ever heard them sung except i've tried it and couldn't match it up to the music necessarily and they filled in the gap (laughs) so it's very very funny and the lyrics are terrible but that made this particular performance especially amusing
0: (laughs) okay so what's your bit for the week
1: my bit is my new obsession and I always have one, which is, I did not know this, but Tig Nataro has a podcast called Don't Ask Tig. And the premise of it is that she has a celebrity guest on and they chat for a little while and then they take questions from people who need advice and they try to give genuine advice to them. And among her many amazing guests, which are like Stephen Colbert and Reese Witherspoon and Cindy Lauper and Ed Helms and like all these, Will Ferrell and Nicole Byer, like all these people that are very fascinating, Judd Apatow, I mean, I could, but the new one, the latest one that I heard was with LeVar Burton, which is how I was made aware of this podcast. And their conversation was so wonderful. And not only does it, she loved to talk about Star Trek, she mentions that she's on Star Trek to pretty much every guest. So you get a sense of how much it means to her to be on the show. But he was talking to her about fandom and cons. And this beautiful part of it was when he was saying to her, like, come to a convention, which she's nervous about, because come get the love. The love is waiting for you. It's all just there. And all you got to do is come and just soak it up which I thought was such a beautiful way of putting it because people view Star Trek fans as weirdos and freaks. And the point is, no, when they go to those things, you go and you're just surrounded by people who think you're amazing. She said she'd go to one if he was there and could help her through it. But it was such a beautiful moment, and they're very funny, and I went on a kick and listened to about 10 episodes in a row. It's a nice short podcast, so I highly recommend it.
0: Did she mention Uh, she moderated a comic-con panel i saw she in, did think, mention 2000, yeah, 2019
1: she, she did mention that she'd moderated that and i think she said she just went in and did that and left
0: oh yeah i mean but, it, it, there's a huge difference between a comic-con and a las vegas convention and just the way it's presented and and the access of the fans to the celebrities is a totally different ball game
1: and it's just everybody saying they love them You know, I mean, I took a moment and ran up to a guest star who was also on other shows that I love, Caitlin Hopkins, and just took a moment to just say to her, like, I've loved your work from this and this and this. And I was so excited when you were on Star Trek. And that's and she was like, just so happy to be getting that. So it was nice to hear that conversation between LeVar and Tig. And honestly, every episode, first of all, I didn't know that she and Reese Witherspoon were such good friends, which they totally are. Um, But they give really good advice and will make you laugh out loud and go listen. That's all I got.
0: So that's it for another week of All Access Star Trek. We will be back next Friday with another review and some more news.
1: And before we go, I just need to play a little sound from my greatest $10 I ever spent at the convention, which is this talking Riker action figure. Shields up. Red (laughs) alert. (laughs) We'll see you next week.